Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we're talking to my friend, Nat Legrand. He is a comedian and a writer living in Los Angeles. I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation. Matt tells a very honest and shocking story about the loss of his virginity. So I hope this conversation will enlighten anyone that wasn't sure how they feel about the LGBTQ community and comfort any of you guys in your skin that are maybe experiencing the same things. We talk about sexual integrity and the journey that both of us have been on with that. So I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. I was introduced to him um, from someone on my improv team because I'm also hilarious. (laughs) Many people do not know this. Um, she was like, you're going to love this guy. His handle on Instagram is at evangelical daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Matt. Hi. Am I live now? (laughs) Yes, you're live. You're you're allowed to speak. Okay. Um, we linked up probably a year and a half ago, like kind of almost at the beginning of God is Gray. And he has a whole past of uh, being a missionary kid and a missionary himself, and he is gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Now we're sitting in my living room the day after Pride. Yeah. So we were supposed to get together at 9 a.m., and that didn't work out. Now it's 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time yesterday. It was really cute. I know. I was supposed to go, but I was scared of traffic. Like an, really? old, an old lady. I didn't go to the actual Pride event, like the Pride Walk in West Hollywood. I've done it many times. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, but there's like a really fun lot party called Bears in Space <laughs> at Akbar, which is my favorite bar. Oh, that's where I should have gone. Have you been to Akbar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, they do this party once a month throughout the summer. Okay. Um, but it was the like pride edition and it's just really cute. And I was with a group of friends and nice. yeah, we had a great time. Lovely. It was pretty mild. That's, that's nice for a Sunday. Yeah. I actually tried to go to a new church yesterday because I've been trying to find a new church home, which is challenging. And, um, it was closed because they were at pride. <laughs> no way. So, yeah. So I'm going to try next wow, Sunday. They, I was like, that's probably your church. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I was so sad and happy at the same that's time. That's so awesome. Oh, I'm sure. Cause have you been to the pride March in um, West Hollywood? I actually haven't. Well, they have, there's a lot of churches that will like walk in the March or like they'll be on the sidelines. They'll be like, we're like an all inclusive church. Like we don't care what's up with you. Like we love you. Well, the crazy so I'm sure that all their church, you know, they're like, come yeah. represent whatever our church name is at yeah. this thing. That's great. The crazy thing about L.A. is that I have been to, quote unquote, progressive churches and 
I like debate calling them out by name because I'm not trying to sling them through the mud, but like (laughs) they're not actually affirming. Mosaic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mosaic. (laughs) Um, I don't know if Oasis has changed. That was that they've deeply hurt some of my LGBTQ friends. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because I have a really, you know, friends who are like, I don't even know if it matters, but they're like more famous, like in movies and television, they go to Mosaic and they love it and they're gay and they're like, I'm like, I still feel like pretty uncomfortable in a lot of like more progressive churches just because it often feels like a show for me. I know. The pastors are always so loud. I can't handle, it's like bad stand up comedy Mm -hmm. and um, the, yeah, the worship team is like one direction and like they're like all wearing like denim jackets and I'm like I don't know I just I get too in my head about it I'm like not even thinking about God I'm just like roasting the entire um Uh, I'm I like they're giving me the freedom to talk about this because I always think of it by myself in my head and there's so many I agree with you there's so many hurdles that I have to overcome to be able to like feel God in those rooms and I always feel like I'm being judgmental or something, but I'm like, why is he screaming into the mic? Why are there so many lights? Why does this band have to like re yeah. sing that song? I hate like a lot of the music. Well, and I can't, I mean, just like as he comes to the end of his sermon with like the strong emotional appeal, there's the dimming of the lights and then like that, like piano, like worship song leads into it. Just like the whole <laughs> Christian campfire, like I, the emotional appeal really, really does disturbs me Mm. because every like it doesn't and not not only christians do that everyone does it i think christians kind of are the masters of the emotional appeal though with the music but it doesn't i i can't it's not i don't experience god in that place not Mm. that other people do not experience not that god isn't there but it's i have what like you said i have way too many like hurdles to overcome it's so weird though you know i'm very i'm like quite progressive i would say and but like if I if I go to church I when I went to Wheaton I went to Wheaton College, some of your listeners probably know of Wheaton. I've heard of it. It's yeah. like the Harvard of Christian schools. Oh. <laughs> Billy Graham went there and whatever. Oh, wow. Um, but and like uh John Piper, um, Rob Bell, whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um. I went to Church of the Resurrection, which was an Anglican church, like very traditional, almost like. with like traditions and stuff that were like similar to Catholicism. And that was way easier for me to um, attend because there wasn't all these distractions. We sang two hymns. There was no like emotional appeal. We had an exegetical preacher. Yeah. I actually, I, I feel like I'm where you're at too. Like my friend was telling me about her Episcopal church and that it's like fully affirming and that she was like, it's boring as dirt and you know we sing really old songs and I was like I don't know that sounds kind of amazing and I'm like I definitely you know just to play devil's advocate or God's advocate or whoever's advocating for this um you know I definitely believe people can find God in that space and like I remember when I first walked into a church like we're describing um, I was coming out of Catholic church and I was bored out of my skull at Catholic church and that wasn't resonating okay. at the time. And then when I walked into, I mean, God always resonated, but I wasn't like, you know, basically the evangelical church and all the lights and the cool music actually drew me in 
because it was something that felt accessible and like related to my life in some way. Yeah, that's it's so funny that you say that because that's how I, I was raised. Like my mom was Catholic, and so she can't stand like church services that are more traditional. And so her response was like very like Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Like very <laughs> yeah. like cool Christians. Mm -hmm. And I think because I was beat over the head with the cool making Christianity relevant, it's, you know, like we just go in patterns, but it's like, yeah. ew, I'm so over that. And so <laughs> yeah. now I need more traditional. So yeah. if you were raised going to Catholic school and like mass and stuff, I can't imagine. I don't know. That's just a whole nother yeah. ball game. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Do you have you been to the um, church on Highland and Franklin? It's like right behind. Oh no, but I've always eyed that up. That one is so amazing, and um, yeah, there's a female. Um, it's fully affirming. The um, pastor is a female. Oh well, I don't think women should preach. Yeah, that was really <laughs> upsetting to me. She was so wonderful, but also one thing that's so interesting to me, like the service is an hour long. Like oh, it, I think nice it starts too. at 11 and yeah. at 12 and it's just done and that's how they do it. And I think like it used to bother me so much, even at my church that I went to in Wheaton, sometimes services would go on like two hours or something. And I'm like, it's like, it's really important. Like be respectful of people's time. Like we, this is a great way for us to all meet up like on a weekly basis and have accountability and build community. But like keep it at an hour and then we can all talk afterwards and yeah. go on. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of pressure to be involved and you're asking people to serve and they have to be there for like three, four, five hours sometimes. I really loved that model and they were like really stern on it. Like they, like people had to be done at 12. Like it was like a commitment that they had. Like it's 60 minute service. I love that. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it was really <laughs> great. And then like I, yeah, I started working brunch at a drag bar <laughs> on time. Saturday and Sunday, and so I couldn't go anymore. Oh no, that's a whole nother. <laughs> okay, that's a good segue into. <laughs> okay, so you were born traditionally Christian. So your mom would she consider herself born again or? Yeah, totally. My parents okay. are both first generation uh, evangelical Christians. I think they both got saved through a Billy Graham rally. When they were like in their 20s. It's crazy how wildly effective he was actually. He really did um, draw a lot of people in. Yeah. It's also, it's really interesting. You know, he just passed away a couple of years ago. My school, Wheaton College, like they have a Billy, the Billy Graham Foundation. Like they, I don't want to say worship him, but like, he, you know, he's <laughs> such a prominent figure in the evangelical community. But like, as he was nearing like death, he was like pretty universalist really yeah and it was weird because like they would kind of like shut him up and like try to just like not let him talk a lot uh -huh. <laughs> because like he was no longer like jesus is the only way <laughs> wow i'm gonna have to look into that more. yeah do it's pretty fascinating because his son is his son is uh yeah, his son sucks. Yeah, he his does son, suck. Yeah. <laughs> his son needs to eat my ass. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. His son is for sure closeted. You like, think so? Absolutely. Okay. Like he was at Bears in Space yesterday. He's all over. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing a leather harness <laughs> and a mask. <laughs> but you saw right through it. <laughs> uh, yeah, his son, yeah, is really troubled it's upsetting but yeah billy graham um nicest guy 
ever and uh, seemed really wonderful by the end of his life. And I don't know, he brought my parents out of a really, really dark place. They both, they both came from very toxic families mm -hmm. and like a lot of people like religion, like it brought them into a new world where they felt safe yeah. and that's what they clung to. My parents, just a little background on me, um, they both went to Liberty University in Virginia, the largest Christian university in the world. Um, who Jerry Falwell is the president of like also terrible. My mom was Jerry Falwell's press secretary, wow. <laughs> which is a whole nother thing. Oh my goodness. She walked, he walked my mom down the aisle. Um, <gasps> what? Isn't that wild? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would, I would love to talk I need to, to him, write actually. a piece on that. You do. That's wild. I need to talk to her more about it next time I see, I love my mom so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and she has like, whatever come so far but my parents in the late 80s they moved to indonesia to be uh, missionaries for the evangelical church and they still live there today and i was born in bandung indonesia um yeah and i lived there till i was 17 yeah wow. and then my segue into america was wheaton college gotcha so like i yeah born and raised into an evangelical missionary community in indonesia gotcha yeah in some of our pre-conversation, you were saying that you just learned that women have the same <laughs> amount of ribs as men. <laughs> I cannot believe that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't believe how like embedded into my mind that was. And it really freaked me out because I'm like, how many other things do I currently believe without questioning them that aren't? <laughs> Probably a lot because, <laughs> I mean... I, it's crazy. I can't fault you for it at all because when you first said that, I was assuming, for anyone that doesn't know, the backstory of believing that a man has one single less rib than a woman is because in Genesis, the story goes that God took one of Adam's ribs to form Eve. So I thought you had heard that in church, but you actually heard it in school, in science class. Yeah. I mean, I went to a very, I went to an American private school in, in Indonesia that was super conservative and Christian, but Apparently. over and over again, <laughs> yeah, I never second guessed it. That's what I was taught in school. That's so wild. We definitely me. skipped over chap, you know, and I, I don't know if you did, did you go to a public school or a Catholic school? I did go to public school and I was the one raising my hand with my Kent Hovind materials and arguing with my biology teacher about evolution oh god <laughs> i was very cool and popular <laughs> <laughs> um i was yeah i i mentioned in today's video that i put out that i was praying on the front lawn of the school i was doing anti-abortion artwork and art class and i was at a public school so Wow. But we still did have terrible sex ed. There was actually two pregnant girls in my sex ed class, and we were 17 and 18 years old. I was like, I think you guys want to drop the ball on this one. Oh, my. You didn't have sex ed <laughs> till 17 or 18? Right. And <clears throat> it was just taught by our gym teachers, and they were all just like a, anywhere between awkward and not wanting to talk about it and... One guy named Mr. Patrizzi was like the hot teacher, and he was kind of like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't think he was a creep, but like it was just awkward. Everyone felt awkward. And I also remember them splitting the boys and the girls like the girls watched a video on their vagina and the guys left and watched another video on their penis. And I, I think that's so absurd. 
Because I'm like, why yeah. are you separate? Shouldn't we know about each other's it's bodies? Really, it's really strange that we like leave it this like mystery that like, I mean, it's like Pandora's box or something like you're like wanting so badly to know what's up as opposed to just exposing like, yeah. and we, it's helpful. It's helpful like for when girls have their periods that it's not this shocking thing or whatever. Like we know what's up. Uh, there's this infuriating thing. There's a woman called the activist mommy actually asked her if she would please ever take an interview with me. But anyway, she put up this post that said it was a quote from supposedly a former like abortion doctor. And it said, we created a demand for abortion by pushing sex ed on our kids. <laughs> and she is like an anti-sex ed advocate, basically. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't understand at all no I tried when I was at Wheaton I mean just in the similar vein um, my senior year when I was at Wheaton College and I was still closeted but I was on this like committee called the student health care committee and it was centered a lot around mental health and we would like there started to be panels where we would have discussions about LGBT community and stuff which was super super controversial and we got a lot of like hate mail from parents but um i wanted to have a panel with um matthew vine yeah who he's uh side a god and the gay christian yeah and then there was another guy who was side b which for those listening side a is like you affirm um marriage between uh the same gender and side b is you don't Okay. Um, I did uh, not know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm-mm. that's like common evangelical lingo, side A and side B, which I think is interesting that side A is the one that I'm on because <laughs> don't you want an A and whatever. Um, yeah, but right. I tried to have this panel where it was, um, yeah, one side A speaker, one side B speaker, and it was a discussion, um, which I thought is so wonderful. And yeah. my logic was like, as we, like when we graduate from Wheaton, like we're going to be, around gay people often you Mm -hmm. know or it's not uncommon so it's important that we like have that discussion now and uh the one of the teachers who was like higher up he shut it down because his daughter was a freshman at Wheaton and he was like last year I would have been cool with this but this year now that my daughter's here like I don't even want her exposed to that kind of thinking no (sighs) that that's wild um when did you know you were gay forever Forever. Um, so embarrassing. Um, not really, but I remember like playing with, um, we had like Star Wars action figures uh-huh. and I don't know why <laughs> there was like, if you, have you seen Return of the Jedi? Yeah. <laughs> this is so <laughs> random and like not cute but like the guard of job of the hut was like this like older guy with like a pot belly who was like shirtless like holding a spear okay and i used to like always like want him to like have sex with um princess leia because i didn't know that you could have any other kind of sex but i was like i thought it would i don't know why i thought it would be i liked him for some reason (laughs) even though like that's so random is your taste so aligned with that (laughs) I often am pretty attracted to really gross guys. <laughs> there you go. No, but I think every guy I've dated has been pretty cute. <laughs> um, yeah. They could all have sex with Princess Leia. For sure. That kind of cute, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I've known I was gay, but even, like, that term is so wild because, like, I knew I was attracted to men from, like, as early as I can remember, 
but like suppressing that feeling forever. And then when I was at Wheaton College, when I was 19, um, my, the beginning of my sophomore, oh, I was 18, beginning of my sophomore year, I lived with four other guys. And one of the guys um, brought me and my four roommates, like we all sat at the stoop in Lower Beamer, the Beamer Center named after Todd Beamer, who brought down the plane in 9-11. Oh, he went okay. To Side note, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but we were at the Stoop, which is like the burger place there, and he was like, I have to talk to you guys about something. And um, he was like, I have to let you guys know that I am um, same-sex attracted. Right. And that's the lingo the Christians use. Yeah. yeah. Uh, evangelicals specifically, they call it SSA. But he was saying, like, I'm a guy and I'm attracted to guys, but, like, I'm aware that that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Or it's the attraction isn't a sin, but, like, acting on it is. Right. And I'm aware of that. And so I have to let – I just want you guys to be aware of that as my roommates. Wow. And he said that, and it was so nice to hear that from him. And my – and I was like, oh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but <laughs> – same <laughs> wait how many people did you live with there were five of us so the other three were like dude <laughs> no it's so like um yeah two of those guys are still very close friends of mine it's actually really sad the guy who came out as ssa the first one he's like like has completely like isolated himself from everyone and like i think he still lives with his parents and like mm. um yeah he's not out like, he's not gay. He's just SSA. Right. But, um, yeah, those two other guys are two of my closest friends. And, like, yeah, it was great. But everything changed in that moment when I said that I – when I acknowledged when I was – that I – saying it out loud, something magical and crazy happens. Like, words change things. Mm, and I my mind that. went spinning. Oh, yeah. And like my life forever changed saying it out loud. I guess in a way I'm like really thankful that he said that in that moment. I don't know when I would have done that. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, I totally, I believe in the power of telling the truth and telling your story so much. But I specifically hear that from queer people that like that moment is so defining and such a like catharsis. Yeah. Like, you have to say it out loud. Like saying it out loud is so wild. And there's power in like anything you do in life when you say it out loud. If you stole something, just saying I stole this thing or like I like whatever did X or whatever. Just like saying or I don't know. I killed a man. Yeah. It's really important oh, that God, you that tell felt people so when good. you kill <laughs> 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 oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I don't know. My mind went like really spinning after that and for the next couple years. Um, there's kind of just like this, like, I don't know, feeling of isolation, especially because a lot of people knew that I was SSA, if you will, same sex attracted, but like, I was still focused on like finding a wife, you know? So you're like looking for a woman who can like carry that burden with you. And And I appreciate you saying them that way too. I just listened to, um, Dan Savage talk about how incredibly, selfish and like abusive and you using it is to dupe a woman into marrying a homosexual man you know like how that's so hard for both of them that's like such a high call for both parties my cousin is uh she's married to a gay man Mm. and they like met each other on a mission trip and they became best friends i remember she called me when she was like on this mission trip and she was like matt i think i met my husband like 
he's just like you. And I was like, oh, honey, <laughs> that's not a good sign. Oh, my god! <laughs> but when the, he got back from the mission trip, she said to him, um, I love you. And he said, um, I love you, too, but I'm gay. And she said, I don't see you as gay. I just see you as the man that I love. And they're married now, and they have a kid. Wow. And uh, I think she's really unhappy. Un- unhappy? <laughs> Why? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. And then they have like this, um, I don't know, it's kind of like his passion in life is telling other gay men that they can marry women. And that's wow. like, he feels like that's his calling in wow. life. So we're kind of like on different trajectories. Yeah. I it must be hard for her to see like I mean it's I it's know. it's really interesting. We didn't talk for a couple of years after their wedding and um we just saw each other last summer and he he didn't come to like hang out with our family and I feel like it's be, I feel like he's probably a little threatened by me. I'm really like making a lot of assumptions but right. it's got to be strange that I'm like so openly out and he is like married to a woman yeah but um I got to spend time with my cousin because we used to be best friends and like we had the most we had the most like most beautiful time and she was like I don't care like what you're doing with your like not in a not in like a you're doing <laughs> bad things she was just like I miss you and I love you mm. and I'm so glad we get to hang out and it was so great and it was like we can have different lives and that's fine yeah this brings up like what really 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 annoys me is the term ex-gay and that so many people use that and then they have certain like poster children that they take on Jackie Hill Perry is one of them I don't know if you're familiar with her. I'm not. I'm like pretty out of the loop. Yeah, it's okay. She is a, um, she wrote a book called Gay Girl, Good God. And um, she is amazing, actually, in that I, I know that she's completely earnest in her faith. And I actually think it's so admirable, even though I wish she didn't feel that she had to do it, that she is forcing herself into heterosexual union. She's married. She has two babies. Um, yeah. And, but what really bothers me is that she's very open about the fact that it is a struggle and that she would still consider herself a lesbian and she still considers herself same-sex attra- same attracted. But then, you know, heterosexual people or people that are like waving the anti-gay flag love saying like, well, look at ex-gay Jackie Hill Perry. And I'm like, she never said ex Like, where are you getting this term from? Conversion therapy has like a 99.9, if not 100% failure rate, like actually statistically. I don't know of any ex-gay people actually. Yeah, that's interesting. My dad often brings that up too. There's a I don't. Do, are you familiar with Greg Coles? Do you know no. who that is? Uh-uh. Um, he uh, he just wrote a book. God, I need to look it up. I grew up with him, and we were very close friends growing up. And then, um, I think he just like graduated with his like PhD from like UPenn or whatever the good school is there. <laughs> yeah, and <UPenn>. um, <laughs> in like religious studies, I think. But he um. Yeah, I just wrote a book and he is like out, but he um, at this time feels like he doesn't need to be in a relationship. Like he's focused on other things Mm -hmm. and it it kind of like implies like a more celibate lifestyle, I guess. Um, But 
um, my dad would often bring that up to me and be like, Matt, look at Greg. Like, why don't you just like be like Greg? Like, look at what Greg is doing. And I, I had to tell him like, dad, I'm not Greg, you know, like, yeah. and I, that's not for me. And I got to meet with Greg came out to LA a few um, weeks ago and um, we got to hang out and I, I love him so much. And we had like so much fun catching up and just like hearing him talk about stuff like he, you know, he is so open to, you know, whatever is going on in my life. And like, this is where he's currently at. And like, it's, it's a journey. Like it's always changing. Like life is always changing. Mm -hmm. But like for the time being, he doesn't feel for him that he needs to be in a relationship. And he's happy with that. He's happy focusing on God and focusing on his career. And uh, he's fulfilled by that. And he has a lot of like incredible relationships. Well, yeah, and anyone of any sexuality could go through that phase. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I mean. And, like, I don't know, he kind of expressed that, like, he's open to his ideas, his ideas changing. And I, I just, I love that and I respect that so much. And mm-hmm. I feel that way. And I, f- I feel like that is on- honestly like a more testament to, like, having faith than putting yourself in a box, if you will. Like, oftentimes, I, I feel this from, like, the liberal and conservative communities, but a lot of people will, like, they they set their minds on their ideas and say, like, this is truth, and this is what it is, mm-hmm. done. And then, like, in that situation, you have, like, made yourself God. Like, you're not open to learning anymore or, like, growing as a person. Yeah. Like, that is, that is like the definition of being God. Like yeah. you have, you have discovered the truth and you know it all. You're reminding me on my LGBTQ video I put out today. I have all these resources linked below Matthew Vine's book included, but there's also like five other books that are highly recommended that I've like started delving into. Um, and this amazing, um, blog post by this author named Sarah Bessie on her journey to like affirming the queer community. But I have a couple commenters where they're like, I don't want to read your resources. I have my resources. It's the Bible. Oh my God. And I'm like the, and I, I be, I try to be kind to them because I actually do want them to maybe, maybe listen. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you're so ignorant to the fact that what you think the Bible is that you are so sure that it says has also been passed down to you by people, by fallible people. Well, also everyone, I get so, um, yeah, whatever. I get very like fueled by that because everyone has their, whether you admit it or not, which this is so triggering for so many Christians, but everyone like, has a different interpretation of the Bible. It's like, it's like unavoidable. Well, that's why there's one, like over a thousand denominations. Oh my God. My dad always says to me, um, he's like, Matt, God is not a God of confusion. Like he gave us the Bible (laughs) and it's simple and clear. And I'm, and I always say that to him. I was like, dad, why are there over a thousand denominations? If it's so simple and clear, what does he say? He like, it's like a topic changer. Mm. It's like, Oh, too good of a point. Let's move on. You know, on. when are you coming on family vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Truly. It's so sad. I often like feel like I corner my dad. I, I love my dad and we have like, we have such an amazing relationship and he is like, he's so, it's incredible to see like where he's come from to where he is now. Like we used to not talk and now he's a close friend. Oh, that's good. And uh, yeah, which is like a whole nother thing to talk about. But um, yeah. Uh, he, well, I'll often like put him in these corners where like, I'm like, 
what about this? And then it's always a topic change. And he's like, um, I gotta go. <laughs> You're like, what? Well, my phone's cutting out. I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an That's excellent a, point. Um, I, I don't know if uh, you want to talk about this for a sec, but like um, discovering that my, like coming to the realization that your parents are like. Honor- humans. Yeah. That they're humans and that they're also like. Like, we're all kids. Like, all of us are children. And, like, we're all figuring things out. Mm -hmm. I had such a... um, Last time I went to visit my parents, um, I, like, sat down with my mom. And we always have, like, the one brunch each year when we visit each other where it's, like, we, like, hash out all of our shit. And it's, like, (laughs) let's go to breakfast. (laughs) And, like, we're there for, like, four hours. And it's, like, our intense catch-up time. Oh, nice. But I had these, like, resentments that I was holding against my mom that I had been talking to my therapist about. And, you know, like, you hold on to these things that your parents say when you're younger. And, like, they, like, really, like you're so impressionable and they really affect you. And so I went to my mom this time and I was like, we're my mom, my parents are incredible in that they're always like, I'm open to like, how can we best build a better relationship? Cause we didn't have a relationship really until throughout my childhood. They're both workaholics. Oh, okay. Um, which is, you know, just a like side effect of their childhoods or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, when I was with my mom, like I was like, I want to address these, these statements that you said when I was much younger and like, um, and I'm doing this out of love cause I want to like better love you and understand you. And so I, I went through like four or five of them and like each one, she like, I don't know, was so empathetic and compassionate, but she was just like, yeah, that's not where I'm at anymore. And she was mm-hmm. like, I'm so glad you're saying these things. And like, and she pretty much admitted to me, she's like, she, we have grandkids. She has grandkids now. Like my sisters have babies. And she was like, she was like, I feel like now that I'm like a grandma, I finally understand like how to be a parent. Like that is all I need to do is provide these little humans with love. And -hmm. like, I don't need to tell them everything they have to do, but they were raised in like my, but my mom said like when I had my kids, when I was like in my twenties or whatever, like I had no idea what I was doing. And like at the time Christianity promoted, um, focus on the family materials. Oh, and that was mm-hmm. like your guiding book for how to raise kids. She was like, so I didn't like, that's what everyone was telling me was a good thing to do. And that's what I followed. And I just followed this curriculum, which is like so toxic. And it's all about like the idea of tough love really like was disturbing to don't me. Don't spare the rod. <laughs> yeah. And just like, well, you might think that it's like, would it be, you know, is it love if you let them do these horrible things or whatever? Like, that's not real love. You have to force them to do all this other shit. And then, yeah. I don't know. It, it just felt very, like, abrasive. And that, Jerry Falwell's book is on the family, right? I think so. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Anything evil is Jerry Falwell. <laughs> He's dead. Is he dead? Yeah, Jerry Falwell Jr., I think. Oh, is, is, is just wrong. as terrible? <laughs> yes, worse. Because I know there's a living Jerry Falwell that's Yeah, terrible. Jerry Falwell Jr., who also was at Bears in Space yesterday <laughs> and is for sure closet. <laughs> oh, also just like a throwback, the um, my friend who I was talking about, Greg Coles, who is amazing, he was also raised as a missionary in, in Indonesia. His book, Single Gay Christian, a personal journey of faith and sexual identity. Cool. Yeah. He's so wonderful and like truly the smartest person I know. Mm. And like, I'm, yeah, I read his book and I loved it. And I like, we have very different outlooks on life. I'm openly gay. And like, I mean, he is openly gay too, but like, 
I, um, yeah, he's never dated a guy or anything like that. Interesting. So I'll link that below for you guys. I, I love him. He's so wonderful. That's awesome. <laughs> I love how open you are, too. Yeah. Speaking of how open you are, I'd like to talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about how open your legs are. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this your virginity loss story that um, we're about to talk about? Or have you already dived in? Yeah, no, that is... Uh, that is your virginity loss story. Okay. Yeah. Guys, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wild story. Yeah, I wrote a piece a couple weeks ago for Hornet, which is like the largest red LGBT publication in the world. The article is really, I mean, I've, I've said it a million times, but I just love an honest story. And this was very oh, revealing. Thank you so and, much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really like cathartic and therapeutic for me to like write that down. Good. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, it's been a trip. The, uh, yeah, Wheaton has like different mission trips that you can participate in. And one of them, which I think is, it's such an amazing trip. I think they still have the program. They're probably going to shut it down after this podcast. But, <laughs> I um, hope this podcast <laughs> is big enough to shut down a whole program. <laughs> um, the, yeah, they had a program called Youth Hostel Ministry, YHM. Mm -hmm. And you like travel to like all these different countries throughout Europe. And the whole like mission statement of the... Uh, mission trip is that you're supposed to like um, promote conversations of spirituality with fellow travelers. Okay. So it's not even like you're going around being like Jesus is the way or like you have to do this or you're going to hell. It's like you're kind of gauging like where other like because when when you're backpacking around you're in such a transitional state mm -hmm. and so it's kind of just like your your goal is to like open up conversations with other travelers about God and spirituality. Yeah. So pretty cool. Also, just like a really great way to go to Europe for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds incredible. I'm like, can I sign up for this? I program? know. It was so amazing. I love talking to people about spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> I know, truly. Um, but uh, yeah, I was leading this trip my junior year. And um, at this time in my life, so I hadn't done anything with a guy before. Um, which like, you don't have to do anything with a guy to know that you're gay or whatever. That's not a requirement, like in retrospect. Yeah. Um, and I like, don't recommend my story for everyone to try out. <laughs> for the but... record, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember just like background on stuff. Um, I remember before I left for this trip, I don't know what was so triggering in my life. I think because like growing up in like Christian culture, I'm at, I'm entering into my senior year of Wheaton college and everyone is pairing up. Like so many people after graduation have their wedding. Like that's uh -huh. what you do. And like they joke at Wheaton where it's like women go there to get their, their MRS degree. Oh yeah, misses. Misses. Yeah, yeah. Like to get married because you meet like all these great Christian guys and blah, blah, blah. And there were so many hot Christian guys there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a lot of my friends, I remember them pairing off and I had all these conflicted feelings, which like this is why it's so important for people to have like open and honest dialogue and to be a part of like a queer community so that you can talk about these things without necessarily having to like act on them, if you will, mm -hmm. um, just so you can process stuff. But I didn't I didn't I didn't know who I could talk to about all these feelings or that I was even having them. Right. I remember my best friend who was still one of my best friends. He started spending way more time with his girlfriend, who is now his wife, and they have kids, and I love them so much. But I remember searing pains of hurt 
and jealousy when he would turn down spending time with me to spend time with her because in my mind he was my boyfriend mm. we like were roommates we did everything together and that hurts so much wow. and I was actually going through the pains of a breakup without even knowing that that's what was going on oh man it just Is like, this before or after a conversation where you came out basically as same sex attracted? It was after. After, okay. Yeah. So you were, yeah, still. So I was out to him, but like still, it's like, I don't know. I was still like going on dates with girls and like everything I did was suppressing. I was still pretending like I was going to just live a straight life and this was a small part of my story, you mm-hmm. know, even though it was like a huge part of who I am. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know all these conflicting feelings, but I got to a place at the end of my junior year where I was so like upset and distraught. I got, I, I was suicidal at the time. I remember, um, um, friends would go out and have fun. And I remember like being on my knees in my like dorm room and like telling God that like he needed to kill me to like end this pain. Cause like I couldn't deal with this hurt. And there's, I mean, it's like scientifically proven, like the only the the best healer of like feelings of isolation and depression is fellowship and is community mm. and people you can be honest with yeah. like it is incredibly healing and yeah. i just didn't have that and that isn't my friend's fault but like we didn't have necessarily an environment where conversations like that were like um right were available yeah i didn't know what to do but anyways in this uh conflicted like state that I was in god this is such a drawn out like getting no to the it's punch beautiful line. it's fine um during this like very conflicted time I had already committed to like leading this mission trip in Europe and I in the I, I didn't know what was gonna happen but I I like I and I've been in this state multiple times like often like when I've gone out and I'm like I'm going to like, I don't know if I'm going out, like, I'm like, we'll see where this night ends. It's like, if I haven't made a strong decision, like things might happen. And I remember I had let something in my mind click where I said, you know what? I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to say no. You know what that was for me? Cause I went through what I call my tramp age and I would purposely wear like unseeable underwear if it was an, a hard no but if I was in the like shower shaving my legs and putting on nice underwear, I like secretly knew in the back of my head that it was like, oh, maybe, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, all I'm saying is I understand that moment of like, you're not really going to address it, but you're also like, you know, yeah, you know why you're walking out the door a little bit. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and this honestly is, like, so forceful. It's not even, like, we'll see what happens. Like, I'm, like, looking for stuff. But mm. um, y- you can read the piece. Um, I'll also link that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I went on this mission trip, and my first night there, like, we, our first destination was Amsterdam. And I remember, like, getting off the train and, like, seeing, like, you see bars that have, like, rainbow flags on them, which obviously indicates that they're a queer bar. And I just knew in my head that I was going to go into those bars and, like, see what happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I everyone went to bed, and I, like, snuck out in the middle of the night from my hostel, and I went to, like, the first bar. I wish I knew the name of it. I'll have to check it out again. It was kind of, like, just, like, a queer cafe bar. But I remember, like, <laughs> you know, I'm, like, walking, and I'm, like, like, uh, honestly, like shaking, like f- having a physical reaction, like I'm not even 
like not even horny at this moment. Just like I've decided in my mind that I have to make sure that if I do something with a guy that I'm not going to be struck by lightning. Mm. Like this anxiety is paining me and killing me and I just have to know. Wow. Like I, I would rather just die if that is what happens so that I can like get over, get over this. Wow. Like that's how extreme it was. But like I walk into the doors and like I, you know, in my mind I'm expecting like guys to like jump on me and throw themselves <laughs> at me. And I walk in and it is just like guys having conversations and like hanging out. Yeah. Like you Because gay at- people <laughs> are human beings that actually <laughs> cultivate relationships. Yeah. Which I mean, it's like so <laughs> funny, like in retrospect. And I remember being so frustrated and I was like, I like I... <laughs> I fucking left like, my hostel. Like, why isn't everyone trying to have sex with me? Like, why am I not like having to smack dicks out of my face? Like, <laughs> and people are just like, they're like, and I remember like, I'm, I'm, I just felt like such in retrospect, like we've all seen this person at a bar or a club or like maybe even in your youth group, the guy with like creepy eyes who's just like staring at like someone yeah, like you were looking them for out. that guy <laughs> no I was that guy oh. <laughs> I'm like looking and like I'm just like looking for someone who is like wanting to be with me physically and everyone's like um dude we're like hanging out <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> what time is it by the way probably like at 9 p.m <laughs> right. or like 10 p.m right everyone went to bed pretty early because we had just traveled from america so they're just like all exhausted okay. you know i think people went to bed at like seven or eight okay so you're like 7 30 ready <laughs> dtf <laughs> it's totally <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember sitting with two guys and I was like, so do you guys want to do something? And they're like, like what? And I was like, I don't know. What do you want to do? And they're like, we want to have drinks and that's what we're doing. <laughs> like, it Poor was thing. Just yeah. so confused. So I remember leaving that bar like pretty dejected and I was like, gosh, like, I don't even know what, how to like, how to move forward from here. And also there was like. I remember at this time so clearly in my mind, like, I wasn't a gay man. Like, I knew I had these feelings, but I was never going to be one of them. Like, I was too smart, and, like, I I was too self-aware, and, like, I knew what was up in the world. Like, gay men were just, like, these, like, stupid animals, and, like, they're so focused on sex, and they have no perspective. Right. And, like, so, like, yeah, I'm going to, like, try out the physical thing just to get it out of my system and get it out of the way. But, like, I'm not one of these people. Like, I'm I'm better than these people. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my mindset. It makes sense because I know that's the rhetoric in some of the more dangerous churches. Yeah. I mean, I it's really just, like, uh, internalized homophobia. Right. And, like, just, like, this, like... I mean, and we're trained kind of to like hate this community of people and like they Or to just see them as sexual deviants. Yeah, they're animals Mm -hmm. and like they don't care about anything else, which like the more you're part of the queer community, you learn that it's almost just like a joke among LGBT people. Like often there will be like overtly sexual like symbolism because it's like, it's like, haha, this is what people think we are. Yeah. We're actually like professors and filmmakers right. and we do like academy award-winning makeup on every movie you've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah uh and we're the best people ever okay stop <laughs> I, I love being gay so much but yeah i went to the second bar and um it was a little more like i think it was getting later in the night now it was probably like 10 30 11 
and uh, people were like a little bit looser. But like by that, I just mean like maybe there was like a couple like kissing in a corner, but it was still just like a regular bar, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I saw a guy and like he thought I was cute and um, I pretty much forced myself onto him making out and like he was into it. And we just like made out for a while in like the middle of this bar and it wasn't cool. (laughs) <laughs> like, be it you know, it's pretty annoying any venue you're in where, like, a couple is just, like, obnoxiously making out. Yeah. And it's Amsterdam, and they don't really care, like, gay or straight or whatever. It doesn't matter, but... It's just the PDA. Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. But the guy told me, he was like, hey, like, let's, like, let's go to this other bar called The Eagle, which is funny. I live around the corner from The Eagle in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And it's, like, not a sex bar. It's, like, just a regular bar, (laughs) once again. But the one in Amsterdam, like, there are cruising rooms and, like, places to hook up if you want to. Gotcha. So he led me to The Eagle, and um, I remember, like... (laughs) Like, the Eagle, the main floor is just, like, a regular bar, and on this, there's, like, an upper floor, which, like, has, like, I mean, it just, like, gets kind of, like, very kinky. Like, there's, like, a leather sling, and, Mm -hmm. like, people, like, are open to having sex there if you want to. And, like, downstairs, there's a cruising area, which, like, is just, like, an area where there's, like, kind of almost like a maze-like labyrinth where, like, people are posted up on different corners. It feels like you're in, like, the 80s or something. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you want to – it's just more – it's, like, it's like less – there's no games. It's, like, are you here here because you're horny and you want to hook up with someone? Cool. Do it. Like, you're fine to do that. I remember, like, literally as soon as I entered that bar, there was so many other guys, and I immediately left that guy, and I, like, did not see him the rest of the night. (laughs) But, um... Not loyal. No, not at all. (laughs) But I went downstairs to the cruising room, like, almost immediately, and, um... God, I probably, like, made out with, like... No joke, probably, like, 20 different guys that night. Like, I just, like, could not, like, get enough, and it was, like... I was trying to, like, suck the life out of them, like, when I was kissing them, like, trying to, like, fill this, like, longing void. And I was like, this is my only night. Like, this is it. I got to get it all in or whatever. But the one, there was one guy who, like, I met at the top of the bar whose name was, I don't even know if, his name was Bob. Okay. And he was from New Orleans. And I thought he was so cute. And I kept, like, going down to the cruising room and like make I would make out with like ten guys, and then I would come upstairs and talk to Bob. Uh-huh. And I thought he was like so sweet, and like we would like we had like an actual conversation. And he was from New Orleans, and he was like a construction worker, and like he happened to be visiting Amsterdam. And then I would go down to the cruising room again, and like make out with more guys. And then I would come up wow. to like talk to Bob. And it's interesting in retrospect, like even on my first night, where I was just like. I'm not one of these animals and I just like, I'm going to get this out of my system like an animal. Yeah. Um, but I was still like looking for this emotional connection, right. you know, like I was drawn to this guy named Bob. Yeah. It's interesting. You kept taking like breaks from it too, like getting in a hot tub and then jumping back into the pool. Yeah. And, yeah. but I really wanted Bob, but oh, anyways, yeah. I eventually like after three rounds of going downstairs, like, I guess Bob probably had a few drinks and was like, okay, I'm going down with you. (laughs) And like Bob and I went down to the cruising room together and it was like this moment of bliss and like we made out and it was like, because I had developed like somewhat of an emotional connection to this guy after having conversations with him in between making out with 10 different guys, Mm -hmm. I knew him somewhat. And so like 
that sensation was unbelievable that like those two things could be combined mm. that I could like someone's personality and be with them physically. Right. Cause, and want to be with them physically. Mm -hmm. Cause I had dated so many, you know, I, some of my best friends are women and I love their personalities, but I'm not necessarily drawn towards women. Right. And, um, yeah. So to be able to combine those two things was like an unbelievable feeling mm -hmm. and we made out and that's like all we did was make out. But, um, all these other guys swarmed around us and it's just so wild, but like literally at the, <laughs> it's kind of animalistic, mm -hmm. but, um, all these guys, like we became like the central attraction in this, like, it kind of felt like a feeding ground, I guess, but all these guys took all of our clothes off. And we became, like, completely naked. And we're, like, sitting there, like, in this moment of bliss, like, making out. And, like, all these guys were, like, going down on us. And <laughs> it's kind of amazing. To be, I, I feel, like, kind of, like, um, weird, like, disclosing this. Okay, so that article is actually the combination of two stories. Okay. And I put it into one. So I'm just going to, like, be fully honest. That night ended with just me and Bob. Me and Bob okay. making out. Okay. And it was, like, really beautiful and amazing. Mm, okay. And I love that. And, like, the guys, like, who were going down on us, me and Bob came at the same time. And, um... Wow, that's... That... And, like, we were, that like, making out. And powerful. it was, like, so tender and beautiful. Wow. So that happened. And I went back to, like, my hostel. And then, like, I was, like, okay, I guess that was it. But then, like, um, we went to a new city. And the next city, I think it was, I think it was Hungary. And that's where the, the rest of the story takes place. And, like, I went into, like, one of the side rooms. And there was a guy, like, being, uh, there was a guy having sex there. Mm -hmm. Like he was in a sling and another guy was fucking him. And I like, I mean, it's just so strange. Like how everything went down. Like I literally like peeled the condom off of the guy who was like having sex with him and put it on myself, which for those of you listening, <laughs> that's not how condoms work oh my like, at all. Yeah. I, I read that. I hated that part. I was like, <laughs> Ew. yeah, I had penetrative sex, um, with, uh, this guy who was like a complete stranger. I didn't know him. And I was like, it doesn't count until, like, I come. And so, like, I came inside of him in a condom. And um, I was like, okay, like, I did it. And, like, nothing happened. And I was like, that was it. Like, what was the point? Like, that was, I don't really feel anything. Huh. It felt like I just, it really felt like I had just masturbated with a body. Because mm. yeah. there was really no emotional connection at all. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay. I, I was like, it was so, so anticlimactic. Mm. And I did that throughout, I think every city I went to, I would like find like a Wi-Fi hotspot and like set up my laptop and I would look up like gay venues. Well, I would love to get into the emotion of this too, because I, I keep telling people I'm a huge advocate of sexual integrity over purity because you know, your story to me is the prime example. And my story is a bit as well, like going from saying I'm going to save myself from marriage to sleeping with someone that was a complete stranger, um, never even having kissed him before. Like you go, it's like the pendulum swing where you're trying to do, be perfect and everything is so wrong that when you dive in, you like dive in fully. It's like you didn't just you know, I, neither of us. And in this story, you wouldn't have had the freedom. 
like any other person to go to college and have a sweet date with a guy and, you know, do yeah. the whole courting process and like end up, and I'm not saying it's better or worse. Like I obviously don't judge you for your story, but like, I'm just saying it to illuminate to people that this is what that Christian rhetoric does to a lot of people where it's like, then you just swing to the other side. I would rather we be teaching our kids how to have integrity. So it's like, if you want to have an experience like that, maybe that's your 50th experience, not your first one. Yeah. But like, probably you wouldn't even want to have that experience if you had had like more that were centered around emotional connections. Not that it's yeah. not that it's bad. Like if you do want to have that experience, like to each their own. Right. But, um, I think like the, I, I love what you're saying because like, in my mind, there was no, it was so black and white, which I yeah. really love your platform for that. Like, um, there was, it was either, it was just such extreme worlds. It was none, or I have to get it all in, in one night to get out of my system. There yeah. was no in between. Yeah. Even you articulating the moments of feel, like wanting to feed off of them and do everything in one night. Yeah. I didn't know like how to take all of that in and like to fill my whole soul in like this long that I had forever. Yeah. Such a like good example of like the point you just made where um like not really knowing any in between or how like being so sexually conservative or like having a fear of sex can like cause you to do things that you don't even necessarily want to do just because yeah. you don't have any awareness of it. Mm -hmm. So my first boyfriend in uh, my first boyfriend was like four years ago and he was raised in an incredibly liberal family. Um, when he came out, it wasn't a big deal. And his sister was like, he has one sister. The family was pretty supportive. Um, he went to a super liberal school, um, went to NYU for college. I, we dated when I was, we were both 21. And by the time I was 21, I had had sex with over a hundred guys. Wow. Um, and yeah. I was his first sexual partner. <laughs> wow isn't that just so wild yeah and it blew my mind because i was like what like you like ha you could like people were fine with this and everyone in his high school was having sex and college too and like it just didn't really interest him until he like had someone he wanted to have sex with oh it's yes that's exactly what it is and it's it's amazing to me how often and i generally i don't hate on all you know christian faith by any means like i'm about it but you know, the more closed-minded black and white rhetoric is exactly that. And they always say, they vilify liberal people. They vilify sex ed. They vilify people that are like teaching their children it's okay to be who they are. And yet, this is a perfect example. Him having waited for a special experience, you having like been desperately trying to fill this void. Right. I mean, and also like, I feel like sex for me when I came out because there was so much guilt and shame around it, uh, like that kind of fuels you to like have to go back to it. I don't know. It almost felt like I sex became for me like masturbating mm. and like anytime I did it, which like um, w when I would masturbate growing up, there was such a, like it, it was so painful for me because I, I would literally like plan out. I would be like, I, I'll like masturbate and then I'll have 15 minutes to pray 
Whoa. to like cleanse myself of this. Like I would plan out cause I knew I was going to feel so guilty afterwards, oh, man. but like the same th- sort of feelings with sex happen because every time it would happen, I'd be like, okay, well that's it. Like I'm done with that. That's never happening again. Cause I still hadn't accepted that. Like I was open to like having an emotional connection with men and like building relationships. And so it was always this extreme. It was like, okay, well now that I've done that, like now, like I'm going to do it one more time and that's it. And so it just kept happening. And like on like, I mean, I guess a bi-weekly basis then right? because like I, it was accessible to me now and I knew where to go or Mm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it meant nothing. Yeah. And it was, it was like painful. Yeah. And like, I don't know, there isn't anything, in my opinion, there isn't anything wrong with sex, but like you're saying, the intentions behind it, like I wasn't, it's kind of, it's pretty disrespectful because I didn't even want to open myself up to these people, like in any emotional way or like offer myself to, it was very transactional yeah, and very like these people were a prop to me. Right. They meant nothing. Yeah, and I know some Christian guys who have admitted the same thing. Like, they were always told they had to marry a Christian girl and she should be a virgin and all this stuff. So they actually had really disrespectful sex, which I would just categorize as simply not being open to your sexual partner, not looking at them with any sort of potential just because they're not identifying in your religion, and then just using their body. And, like, that that's sexual sin, quote-unquote. Sexual sin isn't just because it's you don't have the marriage contract. Sexual sin is, is masturbating with a person's body. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I was gonna, I'm really curious to know how you go on a journey from here. Like, did your relationship, was that some sort of turning point to, because I'm assuming you're not doing bi-weekly masturbatory sex anymore. Or <laughs> no, are you? <laughs> not really. I mean, I've yeah. gone through phases since then, but like I'm at a point in my life now where um, I having sex with someone or like seeking out sex, like the biggest thing for me that I keep in mind is, is it respectful of my time? Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if that makes like that's so weird to say or whatever, but like you can you can like seek out partners or whatever or like seek out time to like have sex, but it's like what it, where is this taking me? Like where is this going? Like sure sex can be fun or exciting, but like I have things that I want to accomplish in life. <laughs> I don't know it, it is it can be a big part in the in like in the gay community, like hookup culture is not like uncommon. But also, I I will and say, the too. and yeah, in the straight community too. But also, I will say, I know so many um, guys who are like closeted or like don't come out because they're like worried that like they're like I don't identify like I don't identify with hookup culture and like I don't want to just always be having sex all the time. And I'm like, a lot of people aren't. And also so many gay guys I know are not having any sex at all. Yeah. And um, yeah, these stereotypes. So many, oh my God, uh, two of my close friends are in a relationship. They've been like together for four years and they like, (laughs) I mean, they have the same problems as straight people have. They like haven't had sex for two years and they're like not (laughs) hooking up with other people. They're just like so asexual now with each other. (laughs) And they're just like kind of, I don't know. It's funny. I saw a great uh, poster for like, you know, pride or like wanting to get married at at one of those protests or something. 
and it's there was like a gay couple and their sign said something like um just let us get married and then we'll stop having sex anyway (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny right like yeah these we we gender everything we like sexualize everything but like people are people like i was a hoe for a bit as a completely straight girl you know you can be celibate as a gay guy you know there's no definitive way that your sexuality turns out just because of how you identify. Yeah. And I, that's another thing. I want Christians to stop perpetuating these stereotypes and non-realities and, and saying them as if they're absolutely true. Like, I mean, the gay agenda is a whole nother story to get into. It's so annoying. Like, there's <laughs> it's, no... it's actually really funny because like, Yeah, I mean, I remember being a conservative and, like, my parents, like, always being so upset. Like, why do they have to, like, include a gay character? Like, they're just trying to normalize being gay or whatever and, like, vilifying this. But, like, then also now being a gay man in the entertainment industry, it's like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we were trying to do. Like, we're very calculated about it. Like, we do want to normalize this. Yeah. Like, we will. But that's not an agenda. (laughs) That's, like, begging to be respected alongside everyone else in society. Um, You're not, that's not hoping that children will no longer want to procreate or, like, like whatever the gay agenda supposedly is. It's mostly about, like, safety and wanting people to, like, like, because the more something is normalized, like, um, people are scared of things that they don't know True. and that's why they act out in violence. Mm-hmm. So the more that you're exposed to something and you're comfortable with it, like the less likely you are to be violent towards it. Right. Have you heard of this movement that's like, is it a make America straight again? What? No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I don't have to go beyond that. Like it's just, just all these, I just see them as crops of, fearful potentially closeted um i think i don't i don't think i've seen anyone that wasn't white involved in one of these because i don't want to just you know stereotype and be like all these white men but i'm pretty sure all the men backing these organizations are all white guys just saying you know make america straight again we want a straight pride parade that they're supposed to be doing in boston i know all that and it's like like, wild straight (laughs) pride but to me, I just I just see a bunch of scared dudes. You know, I'm just like I just want to walk up to them and be like, "What are what are you afraid of?" Something beautiful about being gay is that I have a, I have a special bond with anyone who is gay. Not like every gay person gets along at all. Like there's so much we're all humans. Right. But it is beautiful that I forever get to be a part of the gay community. And I have, I know people who like support and encourage and understand what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And like, there is like, there has been like a strong union formed with like the black community recently with like black lives matter and yeah. stuff. And like, as like the me too movement, it like has brought women together. Right. But like, there is no, I think the biggest problem that causes this, like anger that all these straight white men have that causes them to do all these like psycho activities is that there is no community. Like that's interesting. Where do you, what is their community? Like it's actually more for some reason that helped dungeons me with empathy and dragons a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I can see that. But that's the, that is the longing. Right. Like there's a frustration cause there is no support group. Like, but it is a it's coming from a longing for fellowship and for community and to be a part of something bigger than they are so you create some stupid movement like straight pride where you suddenly have a purpose again yeah 
I, I wonder if there's a like is there a healthy version of this because I mean, it's true they are left out of all of these movements and it's like i don't think they need a movement at all but you're right like if if fellowship is the answer which you're really helping me with my empathy with this because i'm like yeah maybe it isn't about introducing them to a gay person maybe it's about them understanding <laughs> that they're not introducing <laughs> them to a hobby <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting a life you know but maybe it is about trying to introduce them to the idea of fellowship and that they're not left out of well things. they've always been the center of attention and that's like there's a shift going on right now and so it's almost like people experiencing rejection for the first time where it's like this is about gay people and you're not gay so it's not about you and that hurts. Somehow I just lost my empathy again. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, like we all understand that feeling. Yeah. But, but like, if you don't understand that yourself, like you just feel upset. Yeah. Fair. So yeah, whatever, be empathetic or don't, I don't, but I think, you know, that anger is coming from a real place, right. what, like whether it's justified or not. I mean, I know it's not justified. Trust me, I'm not justifying it. But I'm saying, can this temper tantrum be cured by anything positive? Yeah, just like you, they need to be hugged. <laughs> <laughs> just go around. But and it also mom. really just comes down to humility. Like, just right. It, it's not about yourself. Yeah, because I like know my... plenty of straight white men that have no problem with these movements that are fully capable. You know, I right. so many good men in the yeah. world. Actually, I, I honestly sometimes feel awkward putting myself in this like public ally position like i feel like i'm you like you don't want to be like annoying or yeah something. i'm like i'm sorry i'm straight and just like still want to like say something about this but it does feel like a little bit of an intrusion sometimes yeah because i know I mean, it like, doesn't belong to me in any way you know yeah i mean but you know i don't know as long as you're like acting from a place of love and like not making yourself the center of attention no it's all ego everything i do um yeah i don't think you can do you can go wrong yeah Um, yeah no i mean it very deeply yeah um i don't know is there anything else we need to cover we can like talk about i mean i touched on it a little bit about like what sex is like for me now i'm hoping to have uh integrity in all areas of my life like that really is my goal and like i don't know if anything from Christianity, the thing that has like stuck with me the most, which I still feel like, I feel like I'm more like Christ-like now that I am more removed from the church than I ever was when I was invested in it. Just mm-hmm. a byproduct of my personal experience. Not yeah. everyone has to do that. But um, like humility is like the biggest thing for me. And I always, throughout my day, when I'm having like hard choices or frustrated with someone, like I go back to like, Am I, am I humbling myself in this moment? Cause mm. that is the purest way I know to like love others. Mm. And I go back to that a lot, That's nice. but yeah, I mean it, it goes back to, I don't know, sex as well. Like, is this like, um, an opportunity for me to be loving to myself or to others? I've been finding recently, like with myself with sex that like, so I haven't been drinking or I used to smoke weed every day. I smoked weed for like five years every day and uh-huh. I just like cut it out and I stopped drinking as well. And I'm finding that like I want to do something to like escape my body 
and that's like been sex for me recently right and like i'll find like i won't even be horny or like desire human connection i just want to like get out of my mind and to like not be present because i don't know what to do anymore i used to just like go to the bar and have a drink or just like smoke a joint and then i can be in whatever land i want to be in yeah but like now it's like i i will like I'll be like, I should, I should look at porn or like, I should like get, I should like redownload like scruff and like find a guy or whatever. And then I'm like, I'm like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to do that. I know what I'm doing right now. It's just trying to escape my life. Right. Well, like using guys as an escape. Right. I mean, I think that awareness is such a beautiful first step to anything. Like you, you always have to give yourself credit for that because not everyone a lot of us make moves and we don't know why we're making the moves that we do. All we know is how it feels afterwards, <laughs> which it's not good. Yeah. I'm fascinated by you saying that you're using it as a way to not be present because I forever have said that I felt so scattered and like stressed out and not in the moment throughout life. And sex was the only time that I felt present and that I felt like I could actually fully be in my body and be fully engaged in an experience. So <laughs> you and I are like the opposite. Isn't that trippy? I mean, I don't know. I think sex has often felt like so performative for me. And like the only times where I've really felt like truly present with sex is like when I'm with someone I really like in a relationship with someone Okay. because I'm like comfortable yeah, would... enough to just be me. Cause oftentimes if you're just like hooking up with someone, it's like, I don't know, like what if he talks about this with someone and like, we know someone mutual, like I want like my Yelp review to be good or like, <laughs> that's so funny. I have, I've never think about that. I I'm like so fully present in those situations and also yeah i don't care i've i would never call myself performative in a million years wow i mean like i would love to be that way and like i'm i i feel myself being like more in the moment now but also it's not even so i mean i i definitely find myself in sexual times being present at times but I'm, I guess what I mean more so is that like I'm using it as a distraction from like things that I really want to do. So you're talking about procra- sex is procrastination for you. Almost like truly. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know. I'm, I, at this point in my life, like I have so many things that I want to accomplish. I'm like working on many different projects and I'm like, okay, I need to respect myself by actually focusing on those things that I really want to do. Not that sex is bad and not that like being with other people is bad at all. It's great. It's beautiful. I love it. But also like if I am purely like going to be with someone just for sex, if I don't know, I definitely have to make sure that they know that that's it. Like there is no emotional manipulation there. Yeah. That's the integrity I'm talking about. (sighs) Yeah. And it's, it's a learning curve. I think it's really hard to go from, hookup culture and 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 that's another thing people like sometimes attack me for promoting hookup culture and I'm like no 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 like I'm literally doing the opposite I'm actually begging people it's not partake in hookup culture because I you know I think it really really deeply hurts people because sex is so profound and that if if sex is being utilized in a beautiful way in the way that I see God actually intended it which really goes back to fellowship in a, in a weird way. There's this book that I'm obsessed with called Shameless by Nadia Bowles-Weber. She's a Lutheran minister. 
I'll also link below. And um, she is wild. She has wild, beautiful ideas and a beautiful view of Christ. And that's one thing she says. She says, if you think about these ecstatic experiences you have with God, you would describe them maybe as like connected, taking you like out of your body to another plane, taking, making you present or like taking you elsewhere. Um, showing you things about yourself that you never realized. And she was bringing up that like a lot of these things are parallel to sex. And the thing that they both have in common is fellowship and that desire to be truly known by somebody else. So obviously if you're in hookup culture or if you're just not being forthcoming with your partners, then you kind of rob yourself of that like opportunity to have that fellowship kind of sexuality yeah, but uh, th this is like really interesting that you're talking about this, though, like I feel very conflicted because while I resonate with like what you're saying a lot, like a lot, there's like a huge like sex positivity movement going on. I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of this? <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, I guess like like one of my friends, he is he's in porn uh -huh. and um, he not that like all porn stars are having sex all the time, but he is just like so open about his sex life. And he like believes like have as much sex as you want to have all the time whenever. And like, as long as things are consensual, do whatever you want. Um, and he's like a really happy person. Yeah. Maybe he's not that intelligent though. <laughs> But um, maybe ignorance is uh, ignorance truly is bliss. Gosh, it really is. There, I know some people that I envy. I'm like, oh gosh, that looks lovely. Um, I think I should like I I want to be honest and say that I do believe my views have become maybe somewhat more conservative over time. But I also don't feel like that at all disqualifies me from being in the sex positive movement or promoting the sex positivity movement it to me it's like the difference between like a hookup culture is kind of like the swinging 60s and how people were like you know is the pre-aids crisis and people were just going around and hooking up with whoever and like i think in theory that could be perfectly fine if everyone is consensual but in practice you have emotions and pheromones and chemistry and heartbreak and running into that person at the coffee shop and making them cry unbeknownst to you and like yeah i, I think guess I feel because like... people aren't always able to be honest even with themselves no like that... i've told yes. so many guys that like yeah no i'm totally fine like just having sex i saw a guy yesterday at bears in space mm -hmm. who i have such a crush on uh -huh. and we've had sex a couple of times i'm like yeah no totally like just it's just <laughs> sex but uh -huh. i like when i see him it's like i want to date him yeah yeah, that's the thing. There, I've so many girls have pulled the cool girl card. I've done it before too. I'm like, yeah, it's totally, totally fine. And you're like, she's lying. And that's <laughs> that's the thing. And you can't you can't know everyone else's motivation. And I also wouldn't put the weight and responsibility on you as a sexual being to make sure everyone is okay at all times. If you're being forthcoming, you know, sometimes it's the most that I could ask of a person, and I do respect that kind of journey. But I think the path of like a Christian sort of sexual integrity, if I'm being honest, would be that you are really making sure that there is true honor there, even if it is a something really casual, like that the person actually 
is saying what they mean and meaning what they say. And then you guys are having an honest exchange. But I think wow, that's also like... that is so conservative of you. <laughs> but it's also like very I idealized. Like for me, that could also include a one night stand. Like I've had beautiful experiences with like a French boy in Paris or something. And I none of us went home crying. Everything was beautiful. Yeah. It's one of my like favorite memories. I have many stories like that. So it's like... I'm saying if I was teaching someone about sexual integrity, I think I might take that more conservative route just to be like, this is the standard of the utmost kind of sexual experience you can have, this connectivity, this like heaven touching earth kind of thing. And you're not always going to have that. And you're not always going to do that perfectly. And people are still going to get hurt. I wonder though, like, I, I guess like so many people now, like sex is like one small part of life where like growing up Christian, we've like put it on this like, huge pedestal like I'm almost even triggered when you said like (laughs) ultimately sex is like heaven meeting earth or whatever and it's like this profound thing where I'm like it scares me to put so much pressure on that because like I don't know like it is one it is one thing but there's so many other elements true I completely agree with that and I'm coming from the biased view of like I really love sex and I've always really loved sex so I think that I That's really the love comes from my person. Really <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I don't I don't think everybody loves sex as much as I do. Like I don't I think someone else might have a more profound heaven touching earth experience in a waterfall. Yeah. You know, like Okay. You're right. You're Maybe saying. it's not fair that I'm putting that on other people. But like if it yeah, I guess why wouldn't you want to have heaven touching earth like all the time? In every facet of your life. Or I mean, like, why wouldn't you just be having sex constantly <laughs> if it's, like, heaven touching earth? Well, because it's not every time. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's, like, the, some epitome. <sighs> I think it's a better uh, ideal to teach people than the ideal being one woman, one man, save themselves from marriage, and then have this ecstatic experience. It's, like, that, yeah, that, that doesn't ideal happen. doesn't work. It's not real at all. Yeah. So this is like maybe something yeah, to aspire to. Yeah, when you put this to. like insane pressure on sex to be something other than like an interaction. Yeah. You're like setting yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely It is true. though like, I don't know, I might be in like a, I might be like on a different like tangent, but like for me, there's kind of like the question, like the chicken and the egg, like when people are so casual about sex and a lot of like people I know will be like, sex is just sex, like have sex as much as you want whenever you want it. It doesn't even matter. It's just like such a tiny thing. I'm like, are they like that because they've been having so much sex or like, do you know what I'm saying? Or is like sex a little more like important and it can mean something yeah, I think that I, I... I guess it really... I mean, the answer is it really just is like on a personal basis, mm-hmm. like person to person, wherever you're at. Yeah, and you're right. I shouldn't be speaking with such as authority on sex just because that's my personal... My personal experience was having it on this pedestal that it is going to be mind-bending as long as you walk down the aisle in a white dress with one guy and you did it perfectly. That's not true. And um, I figured that out. Then I did the promiscuous thing. And I would say I definitely numbed myself. And there's a good handful of experiences I could have very well done without. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh I didn't God. need, yeah. you know, so I'm definitely not implying that it's always like that. And I think now that I'm in this new phase, I'm back to ideal. I, I, we're kind of where we started, where you're swinging back to, remember, we started talking about the crazy church 
that has all the lights and they're telling you this one message and then all you want to do is sit in a quiet Catholic church. And I come from a quiet Catholic church and like I really wanted to be in the wild church. So maybe it's the same thing. It's like I went from one to the other, back to the other again, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting. I mean, I feel similarly with so many things in life, like where I'm at now, like I have come full circle, like back to God, but in a much more like, I have such a loving understanding of who God is and that God loves me. Yeah, whether you use the term universe or God or mm-hmm. whatever. I've like had to go through all the shit to get back to like coming full circle to like, oh, a lot of the stuff that I was raised with was actually really wonderful. It was just presented to me really poorly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a good moment to say our goodbyes. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for being so honest. Yeah, you're <laughs> wonderful. Um, are you open to anyone touching base with you? Or Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, people will like often direct message me on Instagram. Um, At Evangelical Daddy. Yeah, or my email is lagrand.mat at gmail too if you want to shoot a message, if you have any questions. I'm so open and uh, yeah, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of guys who are closet or questioning or whatever if you Mm -hmm. just want to have a conversation cool yeah i appreciate that that'd be amazing we love you guys god bless god bless